Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's get our post-game coverage underway as the Flames finish off a four-game road trip with a 3-1 setback in Denver tonight. Welcome to our Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and uh, let's head immediately back to Ball Arena in Denver following this 3-1 loss and check in with Flames forward Jonathan Huberto. Jonathan, really appreciate the time. Just uh, how did you see this one for your group tonight? You know, we needed to, to work harder than, than we did, and obviously that's where we fell, fell short. You know, I thought we could have a glimpse when we came back to one, but they scored right after. So, you know, it's a, it was a, at the end of the road trip, a uh, tough one, so maybe forget about this one. And, uh, you know, we have a long stretch at home, so take advantage of that. How did you like your team's push specifically in the third period? I know it doesn't get where you want it to, but how did you like the way your group fought? Yeah, we have some, you know, we have character in the room, so we're going to we're gonna push until the end. I know that's what we did, so, uh, you know, we're going to take that, that positive. And obviously we, we would hope to come come out with the two points, but, you know, we're going home, a good road trip, and, uh, you know, get a nice stretch at home and get some, some wins in front of our fans. Jonathan, walk us through that play where you uh, had the assist on Michael Backlund's goal. Just what did you see on that play and that goal tonight? Uh, I think uh, I just went to the net and put it there. And I knew, I kind of knew somebody back circles, he was going to be behind me. So I kind of just put it, you know, no look behind me. And kind of, yeah, fortunately, went on, on back step. So, uh, you know, it was a, like I said, it was a, a big goal. We came back, you know, by my one goal. And then, but after that, we kind of, you know, the score right away. So that, uh, that wasn't good. Final thought, Jonathan, uh, you, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Now you come back home, and you're at home for a little while, a couple of weeks and six games. How big an opportunity is this upcoming homestand for your group? Yeah, it is big. I mean, it's been a you know a tough schedule. We've been on the road a lot, and uh, it's going to be nice you know, to, to be at home a little bit. And uh, obviously, that's, you know, it's nice to play in front of our, our fans, so it's going to be important that we, we take that and you know, bring it home and play well and, you know, keep going what we've been doing. Jonathan, appreciate the time. Fly safe home, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Good luck then. Thanks for doing this. All right, thank you, Pat. That is Jonathan Huberto postgame uh, from Denver where the Flames fall 3-1 to the Avalanche. He had a beautiful assist on Calgary's only goal. Uh, unfortunately, 34 seconds later, a Nathan McKinnon goal ended up killing any type of momentum that the Flames might have had. In the end, 3-1 ends up being your final score. That's how Calgary's four-game road trip will come to an end. Two wins, two losses, wins over Seattle and Dallas, losses in Nashville and tonight in Denver. Our Flames Talk postgame show is now underway. It's Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Text line wide open for you as well at 960-960. Mick, you just heard it there from Jonathan, and uh, they score that goal, and I know that you either said it on or off the air. I don't remember which, because we're all just hanging out here. Um, (laughs) But you, you, you basically said, I mean, they worked so hard to get that mm-hmm. one goal they get within one they deserved that goal that was a really hard working shift from the Huberto Coleman backland line and then 34 seconds uh, it ends up in the back of their net on the McKinnon goal that's that's a, a killer they pushed but 
you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to come back in a game as, as good as the Flames have been in that regard this year. Yeah, I think I said that both off and on the air. Yeah. <laughs> that you, you have worked so hard to score goals, and this team has had to work hard to score goals, and that's just the group and the personnel that they have is they have working skill, I believe, as Ryan Huska put it. Yeah. And that, that's how they're scoring goals. They have to really work for them. So to give up one 34 seconds after getting themselves within one against a team like the Colorado Avalanche is really, really tough. And, I mean, the game in general, just the first 40, 50 minutes – they didn't generate enough early on. And, you know, Jonathan talked about, you know, the pushback and the character that they have in the room and that, you know, they're they're never going to quit. They're never going to back down. So, again, really respect the resiliency that the group continues to show in that regard, just in, in that pushback. But I think they needed a, a couple more saves yep. as well from Dan Vladari could have been um, a little bit better. So... Another line I, I liked again was that, that fourth line. I think that they they may have found a little bit of yeah. something, something. That there. one and the backland line were yeah. the, the lines that were really going tonight, Wilsey. Yeah, and Connor Zeri does not look 100% no. to me. So that yeah. has uh, certainly had an impact on the Kadri and the kids line. Listen, I think the Flames played a pretty good road game tonight. They just were not as opportunistic as the Avalanche, which I suppose should be expected because the Avs – simply have more high-end finishers. But I thought the Flames were the better of the two teams for two of the three periods. Not a great first period, but a better second period and a really good third period. And uh, they ran into a goalie who I had never heard of prior to tonight who played really well at the other end. Can't fault Dan Vladar on the first one, didn't like the second one, and really hated the third one. Yeah. And the funny thing is, the Flames have not been very good with bump-up shifts this season, whether it be after a goal for or a goal against. But remember the shift after the Michael Backlund goal? Actually, a really promising start to it because they got a good scoring chance, didn't capitalize on it, avalanche breakout, and then Nathan McKinnon scores on a floater from about two feet inside the blue line. Yeah, I think you used the term sailed Yeah, on, on, the, on the goal call. Yeah, it was a, so, it was a sinker. Yeah. Yeah, um, you have to have that one. But, you know, they pushed back pretty hard in the third period. Uh, I know that there aren't any moral victories for a team that is still fighting to get back to 500 and into a Stanley Cup playoff spot. But, you know, they proved they can hang with the Avalanche tonight. It was a tough back-to-back for both teams. And, uh, well, their next road game, right back where this one was, at Ball Arena in Denver. But uh, they've got some work to do during a six-game homestand between now and then. Did a much better job of of uh, creating more quality chances in the final 40 minutes of play. They had just one slot opportunity in the first period, thanks to our friends at Natural Statric. Had nine in the final 40 at five-on-five. Five. Um, but, uh, Derek, it just goes right back to it. Um, and, and I think you said this just before our Flames Talk postgame show started when you were doing the broadcast we're going to be talking about this power play until the power play gets figured out. If it gets figured out, another 0 for 4, another donut. And in what was a two-goal game and a one-goal game for a lot of it, four power play opportunities with just not much to show for it tonight. Yeah, and what's really concerning for me is that I would say more often than not during this stretch, they've probably given up 
more momentum than they've gotten from their power play, which is far from ideal. If you're not going to score, that's one thing, but you've got to at least pick up some momentum, and the Flames simply haven't done that, especially of late, uh, with the exception of one game. Their, their power play was really good against the Kraken on Monday, but uh, has struggled in three games since then. Oh, for the last 12, one for the last 30. That's just not going to cut it. Yep. Uh, if you're going to beat a good team like the Avalanche, and I said this prior to the start of the game, Megan. You did. You're probably going to have to at least break even, if not win the special teams battle, and Flames' penalty kill was decent enough tonight, but uh, again, the power play just didn't do any damage and didn't look all that dangerous, in my opinion. Yeah, I just want to go back to the the high danger chances for a second, five on five. So the thing about high danger chances is that they can be classified as a high danger chance even if there isn't a shot yep. on net. Yep. So I think like that's why I just felt like in that second period, in terms of like high danger shots, high danger like opportunities that actually end up being shots on net. That so, make the goalie work. Exactly. Yep. So that's, it was almost like they they were taking stepping stones throughout the game where in the first period they had no high danger chances. Second period they had high danger chances, but they were getting deflected or blocked and they weren't getting yep. through to Prozvedov. And then in the third period they were able to get them through. So I just wanted to circle yeah. back on that because I always think that's interesting when uh, I know that data and analytics are such a big part of the game now and high danger chances are a really interesting one to look at in terms of they're not always shots on net. Yep. Um, but I guess go back to specialty team story. I just... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about the power play. I feel like we've said everything that there can be said. And Mark Savard, uh, I know when you spoke to him the other day and you asked him if it was, you know, personnel or execution, and he said, well, it's a mix of both. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of what Jason LaBarbera said this morning and just the fact that, you know, they just don't have any elite goal scorers. Like, they don't have guys that are really driving that power play right now and that's that's what they're missing so you know whether it's you know personnel in terms of trying to find the right chemistry or what like but I don't know how many more combinations or different things that they can try I think this is you know a situation where it's up to the players and they have to take accountability for the fact that they're probably they're giving being given every opportunity to succeed in what Mark Savard is providing them with for routes and looks and different plays that they can run. So it's up to the guys to to figure out how to make that work and to do the work on the ice. The coaches can't do that for them. So, you know, that one, that one falls on the guys. I agree, and I think it's more about execution than it is about personnel. Would they like to have an outside shot threat? Of course they would. Mm -hmm. But I still think they have enough talent to to do some damage on the power play. They've got more talent than one for their last 30, I can tell you that. And the one thing that we've continued to hear from Mark Savard and from Ryan Huska is that they have to be less static. They've got to move the puck faster. They've got to move around in the offensive zone to try to break up their opponent's penalty-killing box. And I don't know why they haven't done that. The coaches have told them to do that. We've seen them do it from time to time, so we know they can do it. They just aren't doing it on a consistent basis. As far as the personnel is concerned, 
I'm not saying that calling up a 20-year-old rookie is going to fix the Flames' power play, but Matt Coronado might be their best shooter at forward. So I would like to see them recall him and give him a shot on one of the two power play units when they get home for six. He scored again on Saturday afternoon in uh, a Wranglers win over the Abbotsford Canucks. By the way, Flames' power play will fall to uh, 11.8% after going 0 for 4 in this game uh, against Colorado. Do I think the Flames are uh, are, are going to be a top third power play? Probably not. But the, you can't be – like if you – you got to get to the middle. You, you can't be 11.8%. No. So I think they're, to, to your point, Wilsey, they're better than one for their last 30. They're better than under 12%. Uh, are they New Jersey? Are they Edmonton last year? Are they uh, are they Tampa? Are they Vancouver? No, but they're better than 11.8%. Final score, 3-1. Flames fall in Colorado. Let's select tonight's hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. I don't know if this is a work ethic game, Mick. They, they work, that's for sure. Um, your uh, your pick for hardest worker, who would that be tonight? Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned him during the game, I believe, off air. But he just continues to be impressive, and that's A.J. Greer. I mean, he... He doesn't play a lot. He only played eight minutes and 20 seconds tonight. But I just feel like every time he's on the ice, he does something. And he also had three shots on net, four or five shot attempts. And just continues to, to make the most of his minutes. And, you know, as someone, I've been in that position where you don't play a lot and you're literally fighting for your job in a just a position in the lineup yeah. every single game that you play. I've, I've been in that situation. So, you know, to play so few minutes and to, to still be able to go out there and play the way that he does, I just have a real appreciation for that. You get cold on the bench. It's hard to keep yourself mentally engaged. Uh, and he does such an incredible job of it. And I thought he had a strong game tonight. A.J. Greer is tonight's hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg on your Flames Talk post game show. Phone calls coming up at 403-240-4444. Text line uh, 960-960. We'll get to all of that as the post game show continues. Wilsey on uh, our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Uh, talked about how you know, if you could if you could win this game, which was going to be a tall task, a second half of back to back. I know Colorado was too, but that's also a really good Avalanche team. Um, but if you could win this game, gives you a lot of momentum and just a really good feeling coming back home to kick off a six game homestand. They don't win it, but they also don't get blown out of the uh, out of the water. They don't get run out of the building, and and they played a pretty decent game, all things considered. So even you heard Jonathan Huberdeau talk about how excited they are to get back home and kick off this six-game homestand, which is going to be a really important stretch for a team that has not had a lot of extended time at the Saddle Dome. And the other thing that will mean for the Flames is some more practice time. Yeah. Right? And we've talked a lot about the power play, and they have spent considerable time practicing the power play this season, unlike the last couple of seasons. So uh, I wouldn't say that's uh, a valid excuse, but they also haven't had a lot of power play time uh, or practice of late and uh, much time to work on that power play uh, with playing four games in six days. So 
being at home uh, will uh, afford them the opportunity to, to spend some more time practicing um, everything, including the PP. So I think that's going to be a benefit. And, uh, you know, this was a tough trip. Four games in six days. Uh, you play against a, a decent Kraken team in Seattle on Monday and then against a so-so Predators team that, you know, to their credit, has been playing a lot better. Yeah, and but... that was the one game I didn't like in Nashville on Wednesday. And then you got a tough back-to-back against the top two teams in the Central Division. And one thing about these come-from-behind wins, when you're always chasing in games, I think that can uh, zap you a little bit mentally and physically. And, you know, the Flames fell behind one nothing, 2-1, and 4-2 in Dallas last night and battled back to beat the Stars 7-4 and maybe used up too many of their goals last night and uh, should have saved some for tonight, uh, even though it doesn't really work that way. But I thought they played a pretty good game in Colorado, and uh, I think they should feel pretty good about themselves. Even though they lost 3-1 to the Avalanche, you still come home with four of a possible eight points, and I said it before the trip, just uh, to put it on the record. If the Flames can be 500 or better on this trip, then I think they're going to come home and still feel pretty good about themselves and still have some uh, belief and confidence and momentum and swagger in those intangibles. So I hope that's the case as they come back to Scotiabank Saddledome for six. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I think they showed on this road trip that they can, especially I guess in the last two games against Dallas and Colorado, that they can go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the league. And that's something to feel really good about. Uh, I don't think you would feel as good about it coming home with, you know, only one win. Coming home with two is a lot more important. So uh, there's no doubt, though, that the travel and, you know, just, I guess, not sleeping in your own bed and, you know, all of those things that come with being away from home, you don't you don't quite recharge the batteries as you normally do as when you're at home. So I think a, a good home stretch will be good for the group, especially coming off a road trip where they've shown that they can go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the league. Uh, I just finished uh, editing uh, Ryan Huska. We're going to hear that in just a couple of seconds. But last question he was asked, what are you seeing on this power play question? Quick two words, not much. So uh, that uh, stay tuned for that. It's uh, Derek, Megan, Pat, Flames Talk post game. Let's get some final thoughts from our broadcast crew following a 3-1 loss in Colorado, starting with Mick. Yeah, I feel like I just gave my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> me, t- me too. Right? I'll come up with some new ones while you're trying to come up with something. Yeah, I mean, just a, a solid road trip and – it's impressive the way that this team continues to push and to fight. And you mentioned the fact that they just keep coming back from behind and always feeling like you're chasing the game as a player. It's exhausting just trying to, you know, continuously fight your way back. So it would be nice to see them get up in a couple of games and get ahead. But, you know, I think that this trip will be great for them in terms of their belief in the room that just continues to grow. The difference is tonight. Ivan Prozvedov was better than Dan Vladar. The Avalanche were better on special teams than the Flames and were more opportunistic. Those are things that I believe are fixable. It's not like if the Flames are at their best, they can't beat the Avalanche. Maybe not in a best-of-seven series if the Avalanche are at their best, but they were right there. And I think the better of the two teams for 40 minutes tonight, but when you're playing against a group as talented as Colorado, 
you probably can't get away with not winning the battle between the pipes and not winning the special teams battle and not taking advantage of the opportunities that you worked hard to create. Mm -hmm. And the Flames did work hard. We've said that from start to finish tonight. And Megan, you've kind of gone back there a few times. Uh, work ethic is not the issue. Mm -hmm. It was in Nashville on Wednesday. It certainly wasn't in Denver tonight. So I do think that picking up four of a possible eight points uh, on a tough four game in six-day road trip is – uh, not something the Flames should hang their heads over. Uh, I think you can even look at uh, the tape from tonight and find a lot of positives. But uh, because they're in a hole and trying to climb out, uh, they're going to have to start winning some hockey games. It's going to have to be a good homestand. They're now two games in to the 15-game stretch that we started talking about prior to last night's game. 15 games between now and the Christmas break that could, depending on how it goes, really give Craig Conroy uh, a clear idea of where to take this team. Mm -hmm. Do you just stand pat for the time being? Do you try to re-sign some of your pending UFAs? Or do you go the other way and head down the road of a retool? So, uh, big six-game homestand coming up. Uh, can't wait to get back to Scotiabank Saddledome. And, uh, hey, when I think about the last 11 games, Flames have played pretty well in nine of them. So let's hope that trend continues as they come home. Uh, see you two on Monday. Have a great rest of your weekend, hey? Thanks, Good night, Pat. Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills signing off following a 3-1 loss in Colorado. Now head coach Ryan Huska post-game. His thoughts following this one tonight. Ryan, I think Nazem used the word kind of muddy at times uh, this game. What did, what did you kind of... I, I don't know if it was um, muddy. I thought we were slow in the, the first period and they had a little bit more speed than we did. But the second and, and third periods, I thought we consistently got better. We played much faster through the neutral zone and we had much more zone time than we did in the first period. How tough is that? Uh, you get in the second period, but you cut the lead in half, but just to have that one go in so quickly thereafter, mm -hmm. kind of an odd bounce. Yeah, those ones are, are tough ones for sure. Um, not so much an odd bounce. I don't... You know, we, we can defend that a little bit better than what we did for sure. Um, so that, that's when you give up those in, in short order after scoring a goal, it's it's momentum for the other side uh, when we really want to push at that point. So it's a tough one to give up. It still seemed like a lot of emotion, a lot of fight though, and that's the oh, yeah. from your group. I mean, we're we're still there. It's just we, we're getting ourselves closer to 500, and we we can't find a way to get that game to get there. I mean, that's the next step for us. Um, you know, this is a, a 500 road trip for us. Now we have to go home and, and make sure we um, we perform well at home. Can you can you take any solace in that? I mean, we talk about just the, the strength of schedule of four games on the road here and, and some uh, obviously difficult opponents. Um, yeah, sure. But I, you know what? I feel like parts of our game um, could have allowed us to get a, a point at worst tonight. I, I should say, but we just didn't have um, the other side going. We give up. We give up a, a power play goal on that side. We don't score any um, on our opportunities. And a lot of times in close games, that's the difference. What are you seeing right now with your uh, power play? Not much. Yeah. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. There you go, head coach Ryan Huska post game following his team's 3 1 setback in Colorado. Yeah, not much because the power play really is struggling right now. Uh, yeah, they, they do not have elite personnel. I grant you that, and I don't know if they've got the personnel um, to, you know, be a top tier, top third power play, but they're down to 11.8% on the power play right now. 
it's got to be uh, it's got to be a whole lot better than that. I can tell you that much. Like, even if you can get it into the twenties where it is right now, or I'd rather the uh, the the high teens and and have it floating around twenty be better than where it is right now. It'd be more of a factor than it is right now. I do got to say, uh, I know that we're on podcast. And you're, if you're listening live, awesome. If you're listening on podcast, this won't mean as much to you. But uh, just seeing Cohen Snow on uh, After Hours with Kale McCarr, Scott Oaken, and Greg uh, Greg Millen right now was was really neat to see. And uh, I know that tonight was uh, Chris Snow night at Ball Arena. They dedicated this game to Chris Snow, so uh, they flew in Kelsey, Cohen, and Willa and uh, had a great pregame ceremony. And, and if you watch the game on television, it was uh, Cohen Snow who read out the opening lineups on in the Avalanche room, and Willa did it in the Flames room. It was pretty cool. Uh, class by the Avalanche, and obviously we know how class the Flames have been throughout this entire situation and uh, tragedy with, with Chris and, and Kelsey and the kids. So that was pretty neat to see. Final score, 3-1, Flames fall in Colorado. Tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line is open at 960-960. We'll get to both around the corner, plus more trips inside the Flames locker room all as we roll on. It's a Saturday night edition of your Flames Talk postgame show. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And right here, this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, your final score from Denver tonight. Flames fall 3-1 to the Avalanche as we are underway on your Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. As the phone lines are open, 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 960-960. We'll get to your texts and phone calls momentarily, but right now, uh, let's continue getting some post-game reaction from Denver. Michael Backlund scored the only goal of this game. He's up to four on the season. Here's uh, Michael post-game inside the Flames locker room. Well, Michael, maybe just uh, kind of take us through this game and uh, sort of the evolution of it. Uh, yeah, um, not our best game, but uh, we stayed in there until the end and uh, um, had some some chances, but um, at the end of the day, it wasn't our best game of the trip, and um, we didn't. Yeah, I don't think you know it was a tight game, but we didn't deserve the win. Where did you find you know the most difficult to kind of find offensive opportunities and try to you know, get into their zone? <clears throat> I, th- I thought in the second we did a pretty good job getting you know some good four checks and some also time. First and the third, I didn't think we were good enough in the four check. We didn't uh, get pucks all up and you know uh, got some motion going. Uh, so um, yeah, I thought that was the uh, biggest issue tonight. We didn't we weren't good enough in the four check. Uh, you get that goal, obviously to cut the lead in half. I mean, how big of a backbreaker is it when they can strike, you know, so quickly after that? Yeah, it's hard. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, you we score and make, you know, cut in half. Like you said, you want to, you know, create some momentum out of that, and then they score it away. It's momentum's kind of swinging right back to them. So um, that was a tough break. Um, like I said, I thought, um, you know, um, it was a close game, uh, even though I thought they were better than us. Still some fights, some some emotion in that third period. Did you feel that from your group? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we didn't give up. We fought until the end, but um, yeah, wasn't wasn't quite good enough though.
There you go. Michael Backlund, post-game. Flames captain. He scored the only goal in a 3-1 loss in Colorado tonight. Let's get to tonight's save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Dan Vladar got the start in net against the Avalanche on the second half of a back-to-back. -back, and his save of the game comes in period number three. Wood, he walks it up the right wing side, but can't get a shot off. We're going to play the puck back to the blue line. Manson with a shot stop, rebound. Colton denied by Vladar, who does an upside-down snow angel to keep the puck out. That ends up being one of the 21 stops made by Dan Vladar tonight, and that ends up being his save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. I, I thought Vladar made some stops to make sure this one didn't get away on the Flames, but probably overcommitted on the Johansson goal. You don't you I mean... Is is Vladar the only reason why that goal goes in to make it two nothing? No, because Zadorov, um, again, bad pinch on the right point, and next thing you know, it's Johansson with a fast break, um, and and Johansson, you know, did a nice job feigning like he was going to shoot and then wrapping around, but probably still a little bit too much uh, commitment from Vladar on the Johansson goal and then the McKinnon goal, at least from our vantage point. Um, that, that one was a floater that ended up getting past him, and, and the timing of that was just a backbreaker 34 seconds after the Flames had got on the board. So I, I didn't think that, you know, I didn't think that Vladar was the uh, main reason why they lost this game because you only score one time. That's going to happen, but I also don't think he was the best of the two goaltenders tonight um, as Presvedov was was the better of the two in this game this evening. To the text line we go at 960 uh, This from Mike who kicks us off on the text line. Pat, Colorado plays at a different pace from any other team I've seen this season. They're not just fast though. They have skill and tenacity to match that speed. They transition quickly, fast Fast on the counter-strike, and their speed creates all kinds of poor reads and mistakes. Was very impressed with the abs tonight. Also, third goal was double-tipped. Alternate angles proved it, so everyone needs to stop blaming Vladar. He had no chance. Flames, on the other hand, do what they typically do, make no-name goalies look Vesna caliber. And maybe I just, maybe I haven't seen that replay, Mike, because every replay I've seen hasn't shown a tip. Um, but Mike, yeah, I, I trust I trust Mr. Ong. Um, so, and this is Mike, he's one of our regulars. I, I trust you. Um, from what I saw, it, it didn't look necessarily like that. But again, if you've seen replays that I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that I haven't seen those replays myself. Um, as for the abs, yeah, I mean, the, the way Bednar has them play and the way that he gets them, like there, there's not a team in the NHL that jumps on a puck. Like, I, I know Tampa does it. I know Vegas does it. Um, there's a couple of other teams that are in that same conversation that as soon as that puck starts to even uh, hint that it's going in the other direction, they got everybody going that way. But I don't know if there's a better team on the planet that does it than Colorado. I mean, let's not forget, it's less than two years since they've won the Stanley Cup. And I know they didn't get past round one last year, but still a pretty good hockey team. And that's true. That's that's still a bona fide, full-on cup contender there. So, uh, yeah, they, they look good tonight uh, in, in that respect. Their transition game is just stupid. Uh, this says, are we serious? The Flames don't have a goal scorer, so that's why their power play is awful. Come on, who's the goal scorer in Arizona for them to have the fifth-best power play? 
If a guy's brought in to make the power play better and it's worse than it's ever been, maybe it's not the right guy for the job. Let's stop making excuses for these guys. A team with even half-decent players. Where the heck did this text go? Um, Oh, here it is. Um... You texted it again, so I was reading your text, and then you texted it again, and it jumped on me, so now I have to go and find where I was. Uh, a team with even half-decent players should have an average power play. The Flames have enough talent to be in the 40th to 60th percentile in the league. What does Savard make? I'll do the job for half, and I bet the results will be no different. Let's save Marie some money here. Uh, only thing I would say to that text is that we there there's a lot of criticism on Kirk Muller last year when he was the power play coach they move on from Kirk they bring in Savard kind of the same results like they had a pretty putrid power play last year too it's not like it was a sexy power play last year either maybe losing Gaudreau and Kachuk had a little bit more of a impact on them and Kirk Muller was the coach when they had a top 10 they were the 10th ranked power play in 21-22 with Gaudreau and and Kachuk and Lindholm having the years they have you lose those guys and the Flames kind of finished middle of the pack last year on the power play and it kind of really sputtered as the year went along Uh, they finished 16th in the NHL uh, and this year they are sitting obviously lower than that Um, so I guess I I guess what I'm saying is is that maybe it's it's not just a coaching thing now they are 27th it's got to be higher than 11.8 percent I do think uh, where, where I will agree with that texter is that okay Mark Savard got brought in with a very high power play acumen I think he's really going to prove what he's all about here in the next couple of months I'll say that much I think that's very true um what else we got here Pat I understand that teams want to wait right up until the deadline to make moves but with a player like Zadorov, I feel like he hasn't been contributing well to the team since the trade request and if he doesn't want to be here they should get rid of him ASAP. Your thoughts. You still want to get the right return. Like, you don't want to be giving him away. That's the only thing I would say to that. This says first period was looking like the Flames were going to get blown out, but their resilience showed up again. Game felt like a win to me. They, they pushed. I, I had no issue with the effort or the pushback. Other teams better offensively. Other team has higher-end players. Other team gets paid too. Avalanche deserved this win, but that doesn't mean the Flames were poor in it. Uh, they fought hard. Matt says, despite the loss, I'm still happy with the trip. They faced a juggernaut Avs team on the second half of a back-to-back, and to be honest, I thought it could have been a lot worse tonight. Vladar hasn't looked good in many games this year. Hopefully they can win five of the, five of the six home games coming up. They've got some tough opponents. That's from Matt. Uh, this says... Uh, from Anand, I believe. Uh, not their night tonight, definitely. Two questions. What did you think of Zadorov tonight? And secondly, how can they fix the power play? Well, power play, I, I don't... Um, I'm not the guy to fix the power play because I have no idea how to fix it at this point. Uh, as for Zadorov, I, I thought I thought he struggled um, a couple of times in this game. Thought he had a couple of you know rough moments in this game. And one of them ended up in the back of the Flames net. Um, otherwise, I thought he was 
fine-ish, but that the one mistake did end up in the back of the net. Um, yeah, Zadorov's had a little bit too many. Uh, there's been too many gaffes. There's been too many hiccups, and those hiccups have come at the wrong time over the last little bit. Here's Dylan and Revelstoke. Hope you're well, Patty. I was wondering what you think of Zeri being bumped to PP1 in place of Kadri. It's not even anything against Kadri, even though I'm not a fan. It's that I think Zeri makes good plays, touch passes, and can shoot. He's also got one of the highest hockey IQ scores on the team, and his hustle and feet-moving abilities infectious to the guys on the ice with them. Also, maybe a wee bit contradictory, but I didn't hear Zeri's name for like 15 minutes of the third, and I saw he got 12 minutes of ice. Did you notice him getting benched? I was listening on the radio to the third, so maybe I just missed him. I saw him on TV for the first couple stanzas. Uh, Don't you dare say stanza, Dylan. You're not allowed to say that. Kelly Kerr should be very angry at you. Um, Okay, a couple of things. I... I have, a, I have a really hard time calling any of the power play units the number one unit, and the, the personnel changes all the time. Uh, now, in this game, we did see Zeri come on and play with Huberdeau and Lindholm. Pospisil's been on there, and Anderson. So we did see that as this game went along, but I don't even know who the number one unit is anymore. I mean, I guess the one with Huberdeau on it is, is usually the one, but even that hasn't been the case. As for Zeri, yes, he was used very sparingly in the third, only three shifts in the third period and did not play the final 12 and a half minutes of this game. We know he is a little banged up. I wonder if that's a little bit to do with it. Um, He's not playing at 100% and so didn't play the final 12-31 of this game tonight. So um, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, And finally, Pat, wondering what you think about potential trades within the division including the Canucks and Oilers. Do you believe there's a strong resistance on the Flames side to do that? Would that be coming from ownership? I can understand not wanting to help Edmonton in particular, but if a favorable trade exists for the Flames personally, I wouldn't care about who the trade partner is. That comes from Joe. I don't get the sense necessarily that that's an organizational thing or an ownership thing or anything like that. Um, I think that's more of a, you know, conversation on the outside. I, I believe that, you know, maybe Edmonton's different just because it's the Oilers and you know you don't want to because they're they're in a mess too and you don't really want to help them out but I think in a in Vancouver's case with even though the Canucks lost tonight to San Jose the Canucks have got a a pretty significant margin on the Flames when it comes to the standings I don't know if you're really all all that worried about that if you're going to get the best return from a Vancouver or a Vegas or a Los Angeles or an Anaheim or you know even teams outside I I don't have a problem trading inside the division I get it with the Oilers I do but even then if you're gonna get the best deal I don't know I, I don't think you can just say no outright just because of the city and how much you despise the team I think you take the best deal in division or out of division. That's my opinion. Great stuff so far on the text line at 960-960. Uh, text line remains open as we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame show where the phone lines are open as well. 403-240-4444. Got a couple of lines open if you want to jump in and chat on a Saturday night as the Flames fall 3-1 in Colorado. It's Steinberg with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We uh, go to Will on the phone lines to kick us off. What's up, Will? Hey, Patty, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Doing all right. Okay. I I wanted to talk about our goaltending. Sure. Okay, you remember me from last year, right? Who was I hard on for goaltending? Uh, Markstrom, for the most part. Yes, sir. Okay, and it's not because 
I thought Markstrom was bad. It's just because I knew what Markstrom could do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to see Bladar, right? Because mm-hmm. he was rolling. And we didn't play him enough last year. Um, so now we've got uh, a team where the only thing we can control is our goaltending. So Bladar didn't get a good shot last year. And I'm wondering about Wolf. Now, I would be a little bit more sure on Bladar or Wolf if we would have played Bladar more last year, right? So, um, that's a big part now. So, what what we, what is the what is the point that you're making then? Well, I would have let, liked to seen Bladar play a little bit more last year. Okay, but what does that have to? And I, I don't, don't want to. I, I don't. Was, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that last year. Like, but what does that have to do with anything right now? Because if we would have seen him play more last year, we would know a lot more about what he's about, right? And I don't know, man. Since we didn't play him as much last year, I want to see Wolf and. Um, I'm not sure who to toss. Well, I mean, what what's been um, what's been Marks? I mean, Markstrom's been fine this year. He, that that is not Markstrom's been, a, been great, and we got him locked up for what another four years? Three years after this, yeah. Three years, yeah. So that's not the problem. That's why I wanted to see Vladar more last year to see what we had in that guy. Two years after this, I believe, actually. Two years after this year, yeah. Well, if we would have seen Vladar more last year when Markstrom wasn't good, we would know what to do with our goaltending. It's not like, but it's not like Vladar was all that. I mean, they both were sub nine hundred goaltenders last year. Vladar put up a better save percentage last year than Markstrom did. Yeah, but it's not like it's not like Markstrom was. 885 and Vladar was 920. They were both in the eight, but then they both finished like four points difference in the 890s. Not totally sure on the stats. I'm almost positive that that's the case. Um, they finished, Markstrom was 892, Vladar was 895. Goaltending, goaltending was a problem for the Flames last year, period. Didn't matter who it was, and it was. But that's why I would have liked seen more of Vladar. But uh, now we're at a point where I'm thinking, okay, we gotta we gotta bring Wolf up. He's gonna be the future. They'll they'll and... they'll they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make way for Wolf at some point. Um, but they they still you know. They're not going to carry three goaltenders. Um, no, I know you can't. And it's so, just that. be patient on the wolf front. I like. I don't think we're talking about it being that far away. Like, I, I, I think there's a chance that even you know, between now and the trade deadline, that that Dustin's here full time. Well. The one thing that we do got control of is our goaltending because our goaltending, we got pretty good depth. Yep. Well, we'll see what they end up doing well. Um, and and but, I do uh, – Wolf's going to get his chance in this organization, okay? And I know he will. 
I I just would have liked to see more of Ladar last year to, you know, get a li- little bit more input on what we have. Fair <laughs> enough, but there's nothing we can do about that now. But big contracts, dude, we got to figure out what to do with Huberto's contract. I don't know if a player can renegotiate a contract. They cannot. That money is yeah. locked in and guaranteed yeah, for the next eight plus, seven plus years. So a player can't even turn around and go, okay, well, you know, I'm not worth this. And uh, Would you? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you know I, what, boss, I, man? I, I really might. like my salary, but I don't think that I've been as good. Come on, Will. And no, that doesn't. It's not A, not allowed, and B, you wouldn't do that either. Well, I got to move on. It's good to hear from you, pal. Okay, brother. Talk soon. Again, thank you for my call, buddy. Thank you, man. 403-240-4444. Few phone lines open if you want to chat on this uh, Saturday night following a Flames um, 3-1 loss to the Colorado Avalanche uh, on the road in Denver. Jason, you're up next. What's up, Jason? I just want to know, is that guy drunk? No. Are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But on the... Bizarre thing, anyways. How much do you think we can get for him, actually? What do you mean? Like in a trade? Like in a trade or maybe put him on waivers? <laughs> I don't know. After the saves I, he Who? didn't make tonight. Oh, you th- Vladar? I thought you said Zeri. Oh, Vladar. Oh. Sorry. Um, Vladar. Vladar. I was like, Zeri? What, why yeah. are you on Vladar. Um... Well, I mean, they could put him on waivers. I don't think that they should. Um, but what could they get for him in a trade? Well, if if after we, perform, if, performance tonight. Well, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be looking to trade him right now after tonight. Um, or last couple nights, like. Well, he was good. Time, he was good Monday in Seattle, man. Like, I, I, he was good in Seattle, so that was that he picked okay. up the win there. Uh, I I think okay. you could get. I think the ideal would be if you could get the third round pick, not not the exact pick, but if you could get a third round pick back for him, because that's what they gave up to bring him in a few years ago. That that I think is realistic, and also I I think that that would be a, a nice return if you're the Flames, and you know it obviously has the added benefit of opening up a spot for Dustin Wolf. Yeah, I think they should bring up Dustin Wolf. He's been playing great. Apparently he was out of his of their mind games good. And um, apparently he was really good on, on Saturday afternoon. Um, when, he was when great today, too. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I mean. Like, uh, apparently he was yeah. really good this afternoon against Abbotsford. He was awesome. Yeah. I listened to the game. It was awesome. I can't see, so I have to listen to all the games. Well, we're happy and, uh, to have you listening, my friend. Yeah, thank you. And uh, what's going on with Zadorov ever since those comments? Yeah. Him and his agent, he's not playing very well. No, he's um, he's taken, he's taken a, a step back. I mean, look, we always – Zadorov's a guy that always has a little bit of high risk, high reward involved in his game. But um, mm-hmm. he, he definitely – we've seen more of the – risk being bad uh, since that trade request. There's no doubt about it. I think Markstrom's been playing awesome. Yeah, he's had a, you know, I know the numbers aren't super strong, but I I think that he's been pretty solid for him. What about those guys up north there? 
They're um, not – I mean, they just won, so I guess there's that. But they're not doing yeah, so well. No. They're having a tough year, too. Should we trade them Bladar or what? I, I I mean, you could. I just I, – and this is not a knock on, on Vladar, Jason, but I, I don't know if that's going to be what solves Edmonton's issues. You know, Vladar is yet to prove that he's – anything more than uh, a backup yeah exactly and i don't think the oilers are are looking at a backup to solve their issues so i'm not saying that that's impossible i just don't know if that's the you know if if that's going to fix what's ailing the edmonton oilers so uh i appreciate the call jason you have yourself a great night thank you thank you man you too Phone Thanks. lines are open. Keep listening. Awesome to have you listening. Uh, Jason, glad that you can uh, be along with us. 403-240-4444 is your phone number with Andrew up next. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Patty. Thanks for taking my call, man. Of course. Uh, been a while since I've called in. Um, so just a couple things I want to say off the start, and then I'll ask you a question. Sure. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I know it's kind of old news, but uh, I've been a Michael Backlund fan for – uh, very long time, so I was, you know, super happy to see him get the captaincy and uh, kind of, you know, re-sign that deal and stay in town. Um, I was really happy to see that, uh, both for him and the organization. Um, personally, I am on the um, rebuild uh, side. Um, you know, I, I know listening, you know, when you talk during the day, uh, tearing it down to the studs, maybe not the way to go just because of the examples. But when I look at all the teams that have competed for the cup and made it to the final and won the Stanley cup in, in the last, let's say, you know, 10 years or, or whatnot, they've all had at least one very high draft pick, uh, good talent guy. And I, I just think that if we are going to get to that same place, we need the same. Um, I'm not saying rip it down to the studs like, like Chicago, but I do think we need a, a, a very solid, you know, top three, top five draft pick. Anyways, um, my question to you, mm-hmm. um, two players that you've been impressed with and that you've liked so far this year and two players that you would like uh, to see more of. Uh, players I've been impressed with. Um, I, I won't. I won't go Zary and Pospisil just because uh, I feel like that's a bit of an empty netter. Um, I will go the two that I will. Uh, I will point to Blake Coleman. Um, I think he's been great. Picks up another point uh, tonight, so he's up to twelve points in twenty games. I've I've really twenty one games now. I, I've really appreciated Blake Coleman's game this year. Um, we we heard him talk to Wes Gilbertson last week and uh, said that he he's, he he hasn't been as healthy as he is right now in years uh, hasn't been hadn't be, because he went on those deep runs and because he went to two Stanley Cup finals there was just something one or two things that were lingering not that prevented him from playing but prevented him from playing at 100% um, and because this past summer was a little bit of a longer summer because they missed the playoffs he was able to get those things taken care of and be back in time for training camp so he is playing at 100% and and he's been really good uh, and he and Michael Backlund just have, have formed such a, a consistent duo together so I'd say Coleman and uh, the other guy I'd point to would be Kadri I, I, I actually 
I know he got off to a rough, you know, six or seven game start to his season, and there were a lot of people ready to jump down Kadri's throat because of how last year ended. But I've really liked the way Nazem Kadri's turned the narrative on his season, uh, and and he's really, I I think he's taken on some good leadership chops. Has, has really helped both Zeri and Pospisil come along. So I'd go Kadri and Coleman is the two that um, I I have been impressed with, and the other one was uh, guys I'd like to see more from. Uh, uh, one would be Lindholm. Um, I, I think he's had stretches where he's been really good. For instance, I thought he was great against Dallas on Friday night. But I, I just like to see Lindholm be one of their drivers on a regular basis and, and be one of the guys that four games out of five, you come away with saying, yeah, he was one of Calgary's best players. And I just don't know if we've said that enough this year about Elias. So I, I think Lindholm would be one guy I'd like to see a little bit more from this year. Um, and I'm trying to think who the num- the, the other guy would be that would be a, a real good fit for this conversation. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go Rizicka because I, I actually have liked him the last couple of games. Thought he was the, the fourth line was great against Dallas and was one of their two better lines against Colorado tonight. But Rizicka is a guy that, boy, he's shown some really, really good things this year and, and over the last couple of years. Like, there is a player there, but. This might be his last chance in the organization this year. This might be his his last opportunity to you know really get himself a a deal that that keeps him in the NHL and keeps him with the Flames and and you know maybe go two or three years on a multi year deal. And and while he's had some games this year, while he's had some solid nights this year, he just hasn't been consistent, and that's been the knock on him throughout his entire career. So those would be the two for me. And, as as I um as as you asked both those as you asked those questions, I'd go two guys I've liked or that have impressed would be Kadri and Coleman. The two guys I'm looking for more from uh, would be Lindholm and Ruzicka. Right on. Well, thanks, Pat. Thanks for everything you do. I uh, listen to you all the time. Good work, man. And uh, thanks again. Thanks, Bye-bye. Andrew. You be well, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a Flames 3-1 loss in Colorado. Lots of time to take your phone calls. Text line remains open at 960-960 as well. Let's say hello to Robert. What's going on, Robert? Hello, Patty. Good hello, evening, sir. sir. Yeah, I haven't called for a while, but, you know, I, I made a bit of money tonight on playing Blackjack 21. So it was the 21st game, so I said I'm going to call in tonight. I like it. Daddy, tomorrow I'm stoked up, you know. I know the F1's over, but the Abu Dhabi's on tonight. And tomorrow, Patty, my, be- my beloved Inter Milan versus Juventus for first place in Serie A. I get- Where's Eugenio? I- Eugenio, I know Eugenio's a Juventus fan, but we rule. Inter Milan rules Italy for the last... Anyway, Patty. Is uh, Eugenio's uh, a Juventus fan? I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. You, you know, Juventus fans, you know, Patty. Juventus fans, they're the, they're the disgrace of Italian soccer. They've done, <laughs> they've done so many bad things in Italian soccer, but I'm not, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. They're known as the Rubentus. That means uh, crooked Juventus in English. Rubentus. But tomorrow... Inter Milan's going to do the job. Patty, I want to ask you something. You know, I'm hearing the stuff about these 15 games to Christmas to decide, you know, 
one day organization is going to do. Betty, this team's played 21 games this year. We beat one good team, Dallas. I know we haven't played Vegas, LA. My thing is, Patty, we don't have to wait 15 games. We're not good enough to beat Vegas 4-7. We're not good enough. You understand what I'm saying. We're yeah, not, and I, we're I, not a, I, I agree with you, Robert. I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think that they're – to me, I, I think as, as, as big as these next 15 games or, or yeah. well, it's 13 games, but like right. as, as uh, difficult as these next 13 games are and yeah. as, as much as it could – you know, really show that the team's a little more competitive than yeah. they, they were early on or maybe were last year, I, I still don't think it should change their approach personally in terms of how they go about their free agents. I, I still think trading all four of their UFAs is, is the way to go. Yeah, but like even if you, you beat Vegas one game and that, these are all like false hopes. Dreams, you know, you know, anybody can win on a different night. To me, Patty, this organization's got to already know what they have to do. You know what? They, I'm and honestly, board. Robert, I, I think, I think Craig Conroy's got a pretty good idea. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not suggesting that he's made up his mind completely, but I, I think yeah. he's got a pretty good idea as to where this thing is headed. And I think it would right. have to be a pretty dramatic swing in the next three or four weeks for for that to change right like I, I don't think I don't think them you know going uh, if they if you take these 15 games I don't think them going nine and six is going to be enough for well no no we got an elite team and yeah, yeah. I, I I think he's got a pretty good idea as to where this thing is headed yeah and I, I hope so Patty you know because the way I felt about what I think this team should have done and I hope so Patty and even <laughs> For the love of God, we would ever sneak in the playoffs. That would be the worst thing that could happen to this franchise. But I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I think they got a handle on it. I don't want to say pretty sure, optimistic is the word. But with this organization, Patty, I've seen too many things. I'm not confident, put it that way, until I see it. Fair enough. One more thing, Patty. You know, I'm getting tired. Uh, thank God I don't watch too many games on TV. I listen, but I was watching a bit of game tonight because I was in the casino. Patty, just a bar behind the bench is getting on my nerves. Like, uh, not as an individual, not because I don't like the man. This power play, Patty, is atrocious. And he's writing there on those on those booklets. What what is he writing down, Patty? There, I like to know. You know, I got to buy some tickets right behind the flames batch right now and try to see what they're writing with this power play. It's atrocious. What are they writing there, Patty? Do you have any idea? Those notes they write down. What are they writing? Well, I think he's he's drawing up plays and, you know, set plays and stuff like that. That's what he's... Drawing up? That's what he's attempting to do. Drawing up. Maybe he's doing some cartoon. Patty, this power play is atrocious. And... Even though we don't have elite players, it should be better than what it is. I agree, I mean, I, and, and I I don't think that I don't think that Savard should skate on it. I just think that <laughs> it's it's there were a lot of people just crushing Kirk Muller last year when yeah. you know he didn't have the, the the power play going great guns right, and so the following year the power play is just as bad and or maybe worse. It's like okay, is it just a coaching thing? That's the only thing that I've asked. But I do concede that. 
you know, you've got a reputation like Mark Savard does. You yep. come into a team and your power play is really, really struggling. I, I'm not saying right. that he's beyond reproach when uh, talking about criticism. Yeah, and that's what it's said. He comes with the territory, right? He's got that reputation. He's a big boy, and he's got to be held accountable, right? I agree. Yeah, and and, and I don't. Like, he's played in the league. He 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 understands what's going on. He... Right. You know. You know, Patty. It all comes down to this, right? When we had Johnny and Kachuk, right? The power play with this, Patty. It all comes down in this league. You need skilled players. You need very good players to become anything. It all comes to we can go back and forth for another 25 years on the station, right? We, you need those kind of players. I, 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 I agree. I mean. And we can dissect this, this. I, we can get mad, frustrated. This. It all comes to that, Patty. You know? So, anyway, have a good one. I heard you were under the weather a little bit. What was wrong, Patty? When? Well, you said somebody told me you weren't feeling well, or maybe I misheard. I think I've been, uh, I think I've been pretty decent. I don't know. Oh no, no, Patty, you, you can, you're, you're my main man on decision. I grown, I, I, I met you as a young man. You're, you're the tip top of this uh, nine sixty, and even when your hair gets ruffled up. I worry. Not you. You're my main man. Patty, have a good one. Let's watch this Abu Dhabi tonight. Oh, Patty, by the way, the goal. Even in Davis Cup, the Italian center beat Djokovic today. With the Davis Cup final, Italy playing tennis. Oh, what a beautiful Sunday. Take care, Patty. Just got to fix Ferrari, Robert, and then you're all good. Thanks, pal. Uh, 403, I, I, I hung up on him so he couldn't get a retort, and I always like to take a shot at Ferrari. Yeah, you know, it's been a rough few years for the uh, Scuderia. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Uh, take one more call before we head back inside the Flames locker room, but still have uh, time to jump in. Lots more time for phone calls on this Saturday night as we say hello to TJ following a 3-1 loss in Colorado. What's up, TJ? Hi, Patty. Thank you for taking my call, man. No problem. What's going on? Um, Pat, I got a couple of things. Obviously, listen to the last caller. Um, it kind of changed what I wanted to talk about. But uh, the <laughs> one thing, Pat, um, the power play, um, obviously, Mark Savard there. But I know at the front, at the start of the season, uh, before we hired the coaches and all that, they were looking at Alex Tange as the uh, assistant coach. And he also does the power play for Detroit. Is that correct? Yes. Now, the one thing I'd say is that I don't know if they were ever going to be able to get Alex as an assistant coach. Um, I think Alex is happy in Detroit. Um, so I don't, and, and I think he, he's got a pretty good situation there and a team that's on the rise. So I, I don't think that they were ever, or I don't know how realistic it was for them to bring Tange in as the guy to run the power play. Uh, I think Tange was in the mix to be the head coach of the team, uh, but I, I don't think that he was ever. I, I don't know how keen he was in being just an assistant because that would have been a, a lateral move for him. Of course, of course. Um, Pat, sorry to switch the subject. I also wanted to talk about Adam Zizka. Um, sorry, Pat, I don't know, but his contract does expire at the end of this year, does it not? I, I believe he's on a one-year. Uh, yes, it does. Um, he's, he's RFA with arbitration rights at the end of the year. Okay, so like, probably like, like, you know, we've been talking about the inconsistency of uh, Rizicka and stuff, but like, I really like his game. Like, like are we looking uh, 
like I think just like bridge him again and see what we can do for that guy. Like maybe give him one, two years at like 1.5, 2 million. And uh, I really like the game. And for what, what we have, I think Robert said it earlier that we're not beating Vegas and we're not a Stanley Cup contender. I think these are the guys we've still got to keep and uh, try working. With. What do you think on that? I, I would agree with you as it stands right now. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I, I'm going to continue to evaluate on that front because I actually think that there is a lot to like about his game, like a ton to like about his game. He's skilled. He's big. Um, he's got a good shot. Uh, there, there's a lot there. But the the continuing consistency issues are not just frustrating for us on the outside, but they, mm-hmm. they, they're super frustrating for the organization as a whole. So I, I think that, that's an area like we're not talking about a 21 year old anymore. He's uh, 24, um, and and he's been playing <clears throat> pro hockey for a while now. So I, I he's got to get on top of that. He'll be 25 next season. Um, as it stands right now, I I would probably re-sign him too. Um, I wouldn't be talking about um, letting a guy who's an RFA go. So I would qualify and re-sign, sure, but. I don't know if that's where the organization is because I think they'd like to see a whole lot more from him in the consistency department. Of so, course. Yeah. Of course. Chad, sorry, one more if I could bother you. Um, I think Dylan Dubé is on the end of uh, last year of his contract. Um, uh, no, I he's got – uh, yes, he is. Sorry, he is. He, he's got uh, – he's also RFA with uh, arbitration rights at the end of this year. And not that I'm saying like, like uh, trade him or anything, but because um, I really like Dylan Dubé, I'm just wondering, do you think there's any chance, uh, maybe deadline or anything? Like, would, do you think the Flames would entertain anything on Dylan Dubé, or, or would he be a guy that we were keeping for the long term? I, I think that they would keep him. Um, they, they would keep him if there is nothing that happens um, at the deadline. But knowing where things could be come the deadline, I think there, there might be a lot on the table. So, um, you know, I, I think Dylan's a guy that uh, is is looking for a little bit more of an opportunity further up a lineup right now. He's kind of been mired on the fourth line here. Uh, I, I actually, the fourth line's been quite good for him. I've liked Dylan's yeah, game. I've liked yeah. Ruzicka and Greer the last couple of games. But... I, I, I guess what I would say is I, I don't think that's necessarily off the table that mm-hmm. you, you could see a deal involving a player like him or others, but I'm also I, – I don't know if they're going to chase that, right? Like I don't think they're trying to be like, of yeah, course. we're trying to get rid of him, but I think there's going to be a – there's a potential anyway for a boatload to be in play come this year's deadline. Hey, Pat, thank you for all your great work. Thank you for taking my call, brother. You have a great night. Thank you, TJ. You be well as well. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a Flames 3-1 loss in Colorado. It's uh, Pat Steinberg along with you on this Saturday night. Uh, Now, as we're talking live, officially Sunday morning, uh, phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Text line open, 960-960. Flames fall 3-1 to the Colorado Avalanche to wrap up a four-game road trip. They return home for Monday. Monday against the Vegas Golden Knights in game one of a six-game homestand. A little bit of a big opportunity for the Flames on this six-game homestand, which starts on Monday. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room. Let's hear from Nazem Kadri, the former member of the Avalanche, spoke post-game as uh, Calgary wraps up a four-game road trip with two wins and two losses. Here's Kadri post-game in Denver. 
maybe just uh, guys kind of described it a little bit, but just you know, sort of what you see as the difference in a pretty, you know, pretty tight game through. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely was tight. I mean, not a whole lot going on, and uh, you know, sometimes that's that's how it goes. But yeah, I don't think uh, besides the first period, I think we were a little lackadaisical. But other than that, I mean, I think uh, you know, played a decent game. We 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 have better, but yeah, they're a good team over there. Yeah, it's kind of what it just means to talk about back to backs and just sort of what mm-hmm. it makes the difference in games like this when you know it's hard to find you know offensive chances. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it felt pretty muddy out there and not really a whole lot of space. So, I mean, what were the shots? Like 20s, low 20s, yeah, for both sides. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's a playoff-style hockey game, and sometimes you got to find ways to to win that game. Obviously, we didn't do that tonight. That said, you like, you know, sort of the fight you guys showed. There's Mm -hmm. some emotion there in that third period trying to find whatever it was to get it done. Of course. I mean, we we, we know that about ourselves, and, uh, you know, you guys know that about us. Uh, You know, we're going to play to the end. We're going to fight to the end, but... uh, you know, came up a little short today. Obviously, it was a tough, tough situation with the schedule. Obviously, that's no excuse, but um, you know, tough travel, back-to-back games, uh, late starts. It's not, uh, it's not easy. It wasn't pretty today, but uh, you know, we fought hard. There's Nazem Kadri post-game in Denver. Let's select tonight's player with heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Going to go with Blake Coleman in this one tonight. Thought Coleman had another outstanding game. Uh, Coleman had an assist. He had three shots, three shot attempts. All three of those attempts and shots were scoring chances, and two of them were high dangers. I thought Coleman was really solid in this game tonight. I also thought the Backland line had themselves a really nice night. All things considered, I thought they were pretty dangerous in this game. So Blake Coleman is tonight's player with heart, and the player with heart's brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Phone lines remain open. Text line remains open. As we continue along in your Flames Talk postgame show, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Final score from Denver. Avalanche beat the Flames 3-1. Tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time tonight. Check in with Rasmus Anderson following a 3-1 loss to the Avalanche. Rasmus, maybe just in your eyes, um, would you see as the biggest difference here tonight? Um, puck luck. Uh, but yeah, obviously we could have. I think our uh, big difference between our first and second period, we battled a little harder in the second, and um, we had some morals on time. And then you know, puck luck, and uh, it's three-one, and um, you know, it's a tough team to come back on. Yeah, a couple of those crossbars, I think one in the second there, and then imagine the third. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, and then I mean their third goal. You know, it's uh, it's a weird bounce. So um, yeah. Um, you know, it's a tough back-to-back. Um, you know, play this team, and um, but you know, I, I thought we, we we gave it our all, and uh, you know, on, a, on another night we might come out with one or two points here. Yeah, and maybe just to your to your point, just about the third, some of the emotion and the scraps that you you know the fight that you guys showed in the third to try and you know claw your way back. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what you have to do, right? And um, but you know, as I said, they're a good team, and uh, they're not giving you much. Uh, but you know, we we kept pushing and pushing, and. Um, yeah, today wasn't enough. Just one last one, maybe on, on the road trip in general. You had four of a possible eight, but you know, obviously some good teams and some tough travel. Yeah, uh, you said it. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of late nights, uh, late game starts, and um, you know, a bunch of different time zones and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, uh, played two good periods in uh, in Seattle, match winning OT. 
bad game in Nashville, you know, a good game in Dallas, and um, today could have gone either way. So, um, yeah, we, we move on. There you go. There's Rasmus Anderson postgame following tonight's 3-1 loss in Colorado. Uh, that is our last trip inside the Flames locker room. We nailed it again. Hey, we got look at look at all that postgame you get on your Flames Talk postgame show. You get uh, our live chat with Rasmus. Uh, sorry, our live chat with Jonathan Huberdo to kick it off. We also heard from head coach Ryan Huska, Michael Backlund, Nazem Kadri, and there Rasmus Anderson. Uh, Flames Talk postgame comprehensive postgame coverage after all 82 and more here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to the text line at 960-960. This reads, Pat, where are you on this team right now? I agree they should trade all their pending UFAs, but I'd go a lot further than that. I'd bust this whole thing up, bring in a bunch of kids and finish near the bottom of the league for a year or two. That's the only way to rebuild in this league. Get high draft picks and restructure your whole team around two or three stud players. I hope this is the route that Craig Conroy goes. And further, I hope he would have the authority to do this. The narrative about ownership being against a rebuild is very self-defeating and frustrating. Well, I, I I don't think that the narrative is wrong, though. I don't believe that there is an appetite for the team to do what Steve Red Deer is suggesting. I I do think that there will be um, the authority given to pivot and reset a little bit. I just don't know if it's going to be the the type of pivot or reset that you're expecting, Steve, or wanting. That being said, you trade away four of those players. um, You get a couple first-round picks in those trades, which I think is beyond reasonable and realistic and, and almost needs to be non-negotiable. You get a couple of quality young players, you draft well, and you, you maybe start to turn things around a little bit quicker. And, and you know what? Maybe you use one of those first-round picks and go get another good young player similar to what Vancouver did with Philip Ronick. I, I don't know. That, that's that's more what I think you're going to see as opposed to this thing being completely stripped down to the studs. Whether you love that or not, I, I think that's just, um, just kind of what we're talking about. Uh, this says, as a longtime fan of the Flames and only seeing other teams one or two times a year against them, watching players like McKinnon and McCarr, you realize how average the Flames are playing against future Hall of Famers. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, and I mean, to Stephen Red Deer's point, that's the first overall pick in McKinnon, I grant you that, and McCarr's a fourth overall pick. You go back to the Kale McCarr draft, it does... It does kind of underline the importance of getting it right on your picks, right? I mean, and this is not a knock on Nico Heischer, who makes a huge deal. I think Nico Heischer is a Selkie Trophy caliber center iceman. That guy is a huge part of any success New Jersey has. They missed him in the 10 games he was gone, came back tonight, gets two points, and they blow out Buffalo 7-2. He sure went first overall to New Jersey that year, but you look back, you're like, well, obviously McCarr should have gone one. And Miro Haskinen went number uh, number three that year right ahead of him. And Miro Haskinen's a hell of a defenseman. But I, I guess what I'm saying is is that you still gotta you still got to draft well. And you still have to – I keep going back to the Stars who – I know the Flames beat them last night, but the Stars didn't really bottom out – they got that third overall pick that year because they won the lottery, but they didn't. They they didn't really bottom out 
And then that year, they picked Haskin in three. They took Ottinger late in the first round, and then they took uh, Robertson in the second round. I'm not saying that that happens all the time. All I'm saying is that the Stars are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. With those three players, you throw in Rope Hintz, who is a second-round pick, a couple of good free agent signings. I think they're going to make a couple more acquisitions between now and the deadline. Um you know, they, they, this is a team that I think is it, that the the stars are maybe the best example of how you can do it without doing what Stephen Red Deer is is asking. Um, this says uh, from Mike and Airdrie, why get all excited for this team to push for a playoff spot? They have significant players on this team who will be UFAs. They'll have to trade all of them before the deadline. Uh, this says, I'll admit the Flames look better the past few games, but you keep hearing rumors the locker room chemistry isn't good. I think Huska needs more of a chance, but I also think getting the entire coaching staff and starting with a brand new voice like Mitch Love might have been worth it. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been a good choice if they gone with Mitch. I'm a huge Mitch fan, both as a dude and as a coach. Coach. But I don't think that, A, I think it's important that we give Ryan Huska a little bit more than 21 games. Um, and I don't know if any coach would have been able to deal with a locker room that may or may not be great. I, I actually don't think the chemistry is as poor as that texter is suggesting. I actually think it's... It's, it's taken a big step forward in that regard. You know, I know there's the Zadorov thing that's going on right now, and the Nikita Zadorov thing is is part of it. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I actually think it's taken a step forward. There's a lot of belief in that locker room right now. Uh, this says, do you think Vladar and Rizichka would clear waivers? Vladar, due, his, due to his cap hit and the puck goes to Dian Rizichka's stick, either a bobble or a bad play nearly every time. If Coronado comes up, he needs to play top six minutes. Who would he bump down? It's a good question. Um, and I don't know, you know, we'll see what Zeri's situation is. If Zeri is banged up and you know, it, it didn't allow him to play the last 12 and a half minutes of the game tonight, which it didn't, Maybe there, maybe maybe giving Zary a little bit more of an extended rest to get himself back to 100% might be the way to go, and that might be the ticket to bring Coronado back up. Um, this says, um, I hope NHL agents are taking notes. They should have kept this Zadorov trade private as he's playing terrible since it's come out. That's from Brett in YYC. There's just a few more texts at 960-960. Back to the phone lines in just a second, but first, it's time to look ahead. Looking ahead brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up for the Flames, they're back at home to kick off a six-game homestand when they welcome the defending Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. Monday night, 7.30 face-off uh, on Sportsnet West and on Sportsnet 1. It's actually been a pretty even head-to-head matchup since the start of the 21-22 season. Uh, Flames are now 3-3-1 in their last seven games against the Golden Knights. Last year, they were 2-1-1 in their four-game season series, so... They've played Vegas pretty tough over the last couple of seasons. So that kicks off a six-game homestand that continues Thursday at home to the Stars again. And then Saturday, they'll welcome the Vancouver Canucks. Tough first three to open up the homestand, hey? Uh, Vegas, then Dallas, then Vancouver. Starts Monday against the Golden Knights. Once again, 7.30 on Sportsnet West and 1. And, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the 
power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit OncolyticsBiotech.com. Okay, four more calls. Let's get back to the phone lines at 403-240-4444 following a 3-1 loss to the Colorado Avalanche on this Saturday night. Uh, George kicks us off. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing this evening? I am well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's a late night here, but I'm doing well. Glad to be on. It's good to have you at uh, 2.19 a.m. Eastern. Yes, sir. Hey, <laughs> you know I'm hardcore, Patty. You know I'm hardcore. I do. <laughs> so, um, look, do you think that if things go the way that we think they will with this team, which, you know, it's going to be very hard for them to to make the playoffs, and even if they do, like, a lot has to go their way. But I know Michael Backlund was, you know, he was the one that basically, you know, went to the locker room, uh, spoke with Coach Huska, you know, told the players, look, if you guys want out, that's fine. Just, you know, keep it quiet, which, you know, as a captain was, you know, the right thing to do. But at what point do you think Michael Backlund like, do you think he'd want to be part of a retool slash rebuild? Like, do you think he would ask for a trade? And I only say that because, you know, rewind four months ago or five months ago, you know, when the the season ended, last season ended the way it yeah, did. Yeah, I know. And he was, you know what I mean? Like, I, No, it's a fair question, George. He, I don't think you're off base asking it. Um, and I, I don't know the answer to it. I, I do know that being named captain meant a lot to him, though. And so I, I wonder if that might be enough to... You know, I, I know that he wants to win a Stanley Cup. I, I, I get that. But I, I wonder if the fact that you know he's been named captain here, uh, if, if you know him being a part of the solution is, is something that I think he uh, w- would really be... Um, I think that would be really important to him too. So I, I don't think, and, and I'm not saying that that's 100, percent like because I think it's a fair question. I think it's a very valid question. Um, but I do wonder about, and I, I do think the captaincy meant a lot to him. So that that would be how I would um, that would be my rebuttal on it. But again, I I don't know for sure. I mean, who knows where this thing's going to go? Um, but. I also I also think that the now that he's signed and, and has committed to staying in Calgary, I, I know that getting to a thousand games means a lot to him with the same organization. I know that uh, passing Mark Giordano, which he would do this season if he stays healthy, to be number two all time on the games played list. I know that means a lot to him. So yeah, I I, I think it's a fair question, but I also think that some of those things mean a lot to Michael as well. Yeah, and I I was wondering that because I wonder if that now that that he has gotten the captaincy, um, clearly his family is ca- happy in the city of Calgary. And look, they've done so much for the city. Take the the game of hockey away. Like it's evident that the family does like hockey. I, I believe uh, hockey. I'm sorry. Well, I'm the sure they like hockey too, like the but they like Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell it's 2.20 in the morning here, right? Yeah, that they clearly love the city of Calgary and everything that they've done. And, you know, that's important to them. And I think having their children in the city is important and all that. And I wonder if that that his priorities have changed that way. And I wonder if he actually, even if, let's say, the team wasn't good for a couple of years and they were having to restock and if if his priorities haven't changed that way and he'd be okay actually mentoring younger players coming up, you know? 
I think there's a I think there's a strong chance that you're on to something there. Yeah. So uh good on him either way. And if he ever did, you know, go to management and say, Listen, I I, I do wanna win and maybe, you know, I would like to have an opportunity. I wouldn't I wouldn't hold anything only anything against him well, for the that. Same way, you know, because, the same uh, way I don't think that you know, there was a lot held against Jerome when, when he did the same thing as team captain, right? Yeah, and, and I wasn't one of those players, to be honest. Like I understood it back then. It broke my heart because I loved them like as 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 a flame a lifelong flame fan. But I I didn't begrudge him for it. I know I, there are friends of mine and even family members who did. Like, I mean, I, I, I can understand why there, there was some lingering frustration uh, because of the fact that he basically just said, trade me to Pittsburgh and, and didn't really allow them to get the best return for him. But that was his right. Yes, yes. That I can understand consternation for, but him actually wanting to have an opportunity to win a cup at his age at the time, I totally understood it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally understood it. And I, I never held ill will against him because of it. That's me personally. I don't want to speak for anybody else. But for sure. This is an interesting situation we're in that way. Um, I've been, uh, you know, I've been praising Vladar for a long time. I, I, I saw him play in Providence for the Providence Bruins when he played for them. And uh, I, I liked the trade when they made it back then. And, uh, but he, he seems like, I don't know, it seems like he's fallen off. And I know he's a backup that hasn't played a lot of games, but I'm starting to wonder at this point, like, do you call up Wolf at some point and has like, you know, is Vladar in danger of actually losing the backup job to Wolf? Is that even a possibility here in the near future? Um, good question. I don't think so, and I only say that because I think I think the Flames would like to trade somebody. I don't think they want to expose anybody to waivers. Um, so I think for the time being, Vladar is the guy, and if and when the time comes that there's a trade, then they'll make it, and I think that they are working on it, and I think that we'll see one before the start of next season at the very latest. Uh, but I don't I don't think that they're going to recall Dustin and turn him into the backup and send Dan to the American Hockey League. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't either. But the thing is, now you try to trade the guy right now, his trade value is uh, not well, exactly I mean, after tonight, high, sure, if you will. Yes, but I mean, I, I still think that they're – I think that he's – decently thought of around the league still um yeah look i mean so far he's shown that he's a backup that has some maybe potential to be more than a backup but until you show that you're more than a backup it's kind of what you are right and so um there's there's a lot that dan's gonna have to show wherever it is that he can be more than a guy who's good as the two or the one B, but I mean, you know, when he's had his opportunity, like he did even last year to take more of the starts and have a larger uh, part of the workload, don't know if it necessarily went all that well for him. And it's not like he's coming off the greatest year either. He was an 895 last year and Markstrom was 892. So um, yeah, I, I think that Vladar still is a guy that's got potential, still a guy that I think has, has some nice chops, but still has also not shown that he's more than a backup, right? 
Yeah, true. And then final final point here, and I'll let you go, my friend. But um, we we've spoken about this before, and it's been a a big topic of concern for many Flames fans alike. But it's been the power play, and I know again, Sabar catching heat, and I get it from one point of view because he is the power play coach, and he's the one that's looked to. But this is the same argument I'll use for a head coach in general. At some point, you got to look at the players on the ice, and I'm not even. I don't even want to come off as critical of the players anymore because I honestly don't think that they have the way they're playing right now, the players to execute a power play properly. Like they, I guess. Well, I mean, they're better than I, this. They are, and they should be most definitely right. But I don't know. Like there's part of me that's like, call Coronado up and throw him on that first power play unit just to see if he can give it a Well, I agree on that front. I, and I honestly believe, I honestly believe he's right now, he's the third best sniper on the team just for pure that release. I honestly believe that. And you may disagree. People may disagree. If he, if not second, like I think the guy, the kid's a goal scorer. And right now the way he's playing in the AHL, again, I haven't watched every game down there. So it might not be fair for me to make a comment on it. But it feels like he's too good for the AHL. Scored again, um, and, and yeah, he's more than he a sure point. Did. He's more than a point per game down there. So, yeah, like you wanted him to go down and and regain some confidence and maybe find some offensive game. Well, so far he's done that, and we'll see if they um, if a recall might be coming between now and um, the uh, homestand, which starts on Monday. Yeah, I think the sooner the better. I think he's a uh, He's, he's earned the call-up, so and, and the Flames could use the offensive help. So thank you for having me on uh, this late, Patty. And uh, just one final comment. Those Wranglers thirds are unbelievable. Great. Yep, they're awesome. Unbelievable. Like, honestly, I, I like them better than Blasty because they kept it totally old school with the red at the bottom. Love it. Yep. Love it, love it. Have a good night, my friend. See you, George. Appreciate it, man. Two more calls. Uh, Dylan is up next. What's up, Dylan? Hello, Pat. What are you up to? Just hosted a post-game show, man. All right, on. It's uh, good to be back on the show. Um, yeah, you know, I thought tonight was just, you know, one of those ones can't win them all. But, um, but yeah, the power play, Pat. The power play. Uh, I'm going to bring it up just like everybody else is. Um, I'm not going to sit here and blame it on Mark Savard because I personally think that excuse is crap. Same with all the people that come in and blame goaltending on goalie coaches. I think it's absurd. Um, and I didn't blame it on Kirk Mueller last year. Um, I think there's a, there's quite a few things, especially right now. They're not quick enough. They don't they don't create space because they're not fast enough. They don't move the puck good enough. And um, they don't they don't look for nothing. There's they, there's nothing they look for tonight in a game like this. Their power play could have won them the game, or at least kept them in it if Ladar was going to let those floaters in. You need the power play. This team needs the power play to succeed. And if they're going to want to compete, they're going to have to get that thing rolling. Mm-hmm. And uh, it all starts with your $10.5 million playmaker who's supposed to be lights out on the power play. And I don't know, he seems to not do a whole lot of anything. If anything, he just turns it over while trying to break in or, I don't know, shoots into someone's shin pads. Power play, if it's going to get good, it's going to be from the stick of Huberto, I believe. That's not unfair. Um, I, I do think Jonathan's overall game has has certainly taken a turn for the better. It's still not 
it's still not, you know, where Flames fans would like it to be, and rightfully so because of the price tag that comes along with it. But at least his game is, I think, trending in a better direction and has been better of late. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're bang on that he's the most important guy on the power play, and, and I, I think that um, there's still a lot to be desired when it comes to Jonathan on the power play. I think there's a lot more there from him. Um, so hopefully what we're seeing with his overall game can also carry over to the man advantage because that would be – there's no doubt that would absolutely be huge for it. Yeah, well, you'd think a player of his caliber because, I mean, he should make his, his living on the power play, honestly. That's well, and I mean, me. he has, uh, just not yet as a member of the Flames. Uh, he's got to start doing it here because – you know, it's, I don't know, I really worry. Like, you know, I don't think he'll ever, ever be worth his 10, 10 and a half or 10.3, whatever it is. He just worries, you know. Because that's what's Canadian market pack, today market. You know, look at Nurse or, you know, even back when Subban was making big money, you know. They, uh, Canadian fans, they really can, can chew you up and spit you out if you're not going to perform and, and come to your paycheck. But uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Coming home from one one of the days after work, I overheard my name on the radio for my Turcotte proposal. Okay, so it was cool. you. I wanted to make sure that I, I was pretty sure it was you. I just always like to, if it's not my idea, I like to give credit where it was due. So I'm glad that I, A, did that, and B, did it correctly. Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. And uh, I thought the Brant Clark idea was interesting. I, to me, find that a bit of a stretch. I think he's a pretty good asset but i would definitely see them hey, but the, why, the why is it a stretch la wants to win a stanley cup and he's buried down there that's the type i of don't guy, know if i'm that's the type okay. of guy that you got to move if you want to make the type of trade to get yourself over the top well that i don't know if you ask me that decor on the right side their prospect pool it's not elite it's it's Kind what of do they care? If they're trying to win a Stanley Cup, why do they care about their, their prospect core right now? Well, it's Brad Clark. You need good D-men. You need to have – you got to keep those guys. You don't find them on a tree and have them in a, like an apple. You hold on to them. Dude, what if, it, if, what if it got them Hannafin? Nope. If I'm L.A., I don't think I'd make that deal, honestly. If you're, if you're close to winning a Stanley Cup and you think Noah Hannafin is the piece that puts you over the top – and you've got a guy who's playing in your American League, you're not doing that? I, I disagree. I, I think that a lot of teams would do but that. But Brant Clark, though, I think Brant Clark's got a decent ceiling in the league. I, I do, know. too. But and the, you, you the, would do the, that the for Kings, Hannafin? Just... If, you're, if you're a team that is focused on winning this season, uh, you're willing to give up some of those guys. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying 100% that the Kings would give him up. I'm just saying that I don't think it's crazy to suggest that he would be a guy that um, – could be got much like Turcotte. Yeah, definitely an interesting because that would be awesome. I think Brian Clark would be pretty phenomenal to have on the team. He's pretty, you know, he's a good deep prospect, one of the better better ones in the whole whole prospect field of ones you can select. But uh, yeah, definitely interesting ideas there. Uh, what was the other one? Famous Casey. Uh, yeah, Wes uh, threw his name yeah. out there. I've been really big on Olin Zellweger in yeah. um, in Anaheim. I think there's a lot there, um, and he's very much buried in uh, on the Duck system. I, I don't know if um, I, I don't know how much Verbeek rates him right now as their GM. So I think there's a lot there with that player. Um, yeah, there's there's a few names out there that I think you can point to. Well, you know what? If you look at any Stanley Cup team. Um, all of them have elite top-tier D. 
all of them, except the Pittsburgh run where Latang went down. They won with Trevor Daly as their main guy. Yeah, you have to have elite Justin D, Schultz. otherwise. Yeah, well, yeah, just well, no, Justin Schultz isn't on the level of a head. No, no, I'm saying that that was one of the guys that oh. they won with. They were. They oh were, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to get angry at you there. I was, I just was, I must have, I don't know, the phone must have cut out or something. But, but yeah, no, back. You have to have elite D to win the Stanley Cup, and you know, you have to get it somewhere. An elite D, it's not. You need number ones. You got to have the Headmans and the and the Macars of the world and the Latangs back in that when they were winning back to back. You got to have those guys, otherwise, you know, there's not very many teams that win cups without them. Yeah, the only one I can think of is is Washington. So, um, well, Carlson isn't Carlson's terrible. not a Carlson's not an elite defenseman. Okay, well, all right. Uh, you know, I could I could get on board with that one. I could. He's a very he's an elite offensive defenseman, but he's not an elite defenseman. He ain't McCarr. Well, yeah, he's no McCarr, but uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, well, anyway, Pat, thanks for the call, and maybe we'll we'll phone in next time there. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, thank you. Last call tonight. Let's go to Lethbridge. Say hello to James. What's up, James? Uh, yes, how are you doing tonight, Pat? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. I was just going to ask you, with some of the players not playing up to stuff, do you think they're still going to hold their you know, hold their value for assets when they're going to trade them? Um, sorry, say that again? I was, I was going to ask you, with uh, with the uh, players that are unrestricted, some of them aren't playing very well. Would you still get fair assets for for a player that's not playing very well? Well, I I, I don't think it helps. Uh, specifically on Zadorov right now, I don't think it helps. I think I think you know Hannafin and Lindholm, they're going to get you good assets regardless if you move them. I think Tanev is as consistent as they come, so you don't have to worry about that. But. Uh, on the Zadorov front, I, I don't think it's helping. I don't think it's helping his cause getting out of town. I'll say that much. He should have kept his mouth shut before, and then kept everything in house and 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 uh, just talk to the you know talk to the management. And they opened up his big mouth. And now look what happened. Yeah, it was not. Uh, I, I don't think it was the greatest move by the agent. I think it actually hurt his team. Not his team. Hurt his client more than it helped his client. No problem. I just want to say thank you for your show. Merry Christmas, and you do a fantastic job, Pat. You have a great night. Good to hear from you, James, as always, buddy, and that will wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Um, a text does come in. says, who goes down on a Coronado recall? Nobody has to go down. Uh, they're at 22 on their active roster. They got the cap space. They could uh, bring them up tomorrow without needing to send anybody down, so just wanted to clarify that. Does not have to. Uh, there does not have to be a corresponding roster move if if they were to bring Coronado up because they're currently at 22 on their active roster. Great stuff on the text line. Great stuff on the phone lines tonight. Appreciate all your interaction. Appreciate all your conversations. Uh, let's get to tonight's final summary as the Flames fall 3-1 to the Colorado Avalanche, starting with Colorado opening the scoring on the power play in the first period. Jonathan Drouin scores a power play goal at 6.31 of the first period to make it 1-0. Drouin's third from Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon, and it was 1-0 Avalanche after 20 minutes of play. In the second period, the Avalanche go out in front by two as Ryan Johansson scores what would be the eventual game winner. Johansson's seven 
seventh unassisted at the 10-10 mark of the second period to make it 2-0. Less than two minutes later, though, Flames got some momentum on a really nice goal from Michael Backlund. Backlund's fourth. It was a really nice goal because of the pass Jonathan Huberdeau made. Huberdeau gets the primary assist on the Backlund goal. Blake Coleman, the other assist at 12-03. Just like that, Flames in business down 2-1, but 34 seconds later, the backbreaker in what would end up being the final goal of the game, Nathan McKinnon scores to make it 3-1. McKinnon's seventh from Valerie Nichushkin and Kale McCarr at 12:37 gets us to a 3-1 score after 40 minutes of play. No scoring in the third period. Your final score ends up being 3-1 Colorado. Final shots, 31-24 in favor of the Flames. Calgary, another rough night on the power play. They finish 0-4. Flames go 0-4 on the power play. Colorado 1-4 with the man advantage. Your three stars in the building tonight. Number three, the goaltender, Ivan Prez Vetov, number two, Nathan McKinnon with a goal and an assistant with the game-winning goal, Ryan Johansson, the number one star tonight. With the loss, Flames fall to 8-10-3. and three. They're back in action Monday at home to Vegas, while Colorado improves to 14-6-0. They're back in action Monday at home to Tampa Bay. That's your final summary, and now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up for Calgary, they kick off a six-game homestand on Monday night. They welcome the Vegas Golden Knights for a 7.30 face-off, which means we're on the air at 6.30 with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Final score from Ball Arena in Denver tonight. Flames fall 3-1 to the Avalanche. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show, and this uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.